Ed Robertson welcoming you to TV Confidential, radio talk show about television. Lou Antonio will join us in our second hour. As an actor, Lou Antonio has performed in more than 70 plays, both on and off Broadway. He has also appeared in more than 60 films and popular TV shows, including Cool Hand Luke, Splendor in the Grass, Star Trek, Gunsmoke, I Dream a Genie, Route 66, and The Monkees, plus he starred in two series, of his own. As a director, Lou Antonio has directed more than 200 hours of television, including many Emmy-nominated and top-rated TV movies for network and cable, as well as episodes of such popular shows as Boston Legal, Felicity, Picket Fences, General Ben, CSI, The Guardian, and The Rockford Files. Lou Antonio will join us in our second hour. We hope you'll stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen are with us as they bring us this week in TV history. Tony's segment, as always, is brought to us by our friends at Story Salon, Southern California's longest-running, regularly-performing live storytelling ensemble. For more information, storysalon.com, facebook.com, forward slash Story Salon. What do you have for us tonight? All right, let's go to January 31st, 1988. That was when the first episode of The Wonder Years. And if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. that aired after the Super Bowl. Yes, that, night. that is right. It would be Super Bowl 22. It was the one that uh, Doug Williams was named the MVP, and that was significant because he was the first African-American quarterback to be named the MVP of a Super Bowl. Wow. And he immediately did a I'm going to Disneyland commercial, I'm sure. I'm certain that he did. <laughs> uh, there was some controversy around that, but since I don't remember details. Yeah, I I, I, I know a few of those uh, things were controversial, and uh, yeah, I can't remember which one was which. Yeah. But The Wonder Years, I'm sure, had a lot of influence from movies like Stand By Me, and uh, you know, just you know, a narrator, and also uh, the times were very turbulent. Uh, oh, yeah. The elevator speech for the Wonder Years is a look at the 60s, uh, growing up in the 60s from the eyes of a grade school kid while Vietnam and civil rights and all the other things that defined the 60s were unfolding. Yeah. And, you know, you have this show where you're trying to get, you know, you're seeing the world through this kid's eyes. And it does have a very, it's a pilot episode. It has a very heavy Ending. This would be an ending, I think, that you wouldn't have seen until sweeps, at least. Mm. But it's in the pilot episode, and you have, you know, the very sweet kiss and this, uh, you know, this little um, the love between the the female lead and the and the, uh, and the male lead. I just, I, I, I know it's Fred Savage and Danica McKellar. Danica yeah. McKellar. I forget their characters' names. Wonder Years was a love letter to baby boomers. Oh, I mean, definitely. Just embracing yeah. your childhood. Kevin and Winnie. Winnie, yeah. yeah. Kevin Arnold, and, yeah. yeah. And yeah, and, and the, the end of the pilot episode, you know, Winnie finds out that her brother was killed in Vietnam, and, you know, she's all alone, and he gives her a kiss, and they play When a Man Loves a Woman. Just, you know, beautifully uh, oh, done. Oh, I get, just got chills yeah. thinking about that. That moment was just so beautifully done, but also uh, I love the use of the voice of Daniel Stern. Mm-hmm. As the adult Kevin, and that's you know what makes me think of movies like Stand by Me, or going back a little further, Diner, which, yes, which was which is a direct line to Daniel Stern. He was not the narrator of that, but, but he, was he was one yeah. of the main cast members of that. And you know, you did have, you know, narrators on TV were were not new. I mean, Dragnet had it definitely. 
And when you look at, you know, when you're using a narrator in this context, I'm trying to think of a couple other Yeah, but this is, Desperate a, Housewives, this is a first yeah, person narrator. Yeah, for, yeah. First person narrator to the extent it was done in television, it was done on, on private eye shows. True. Yeah, that's right. That's a very there, good point. I can't, I can't think of too many uh, comedies that, were, that, that had a first person narrator. And you, you have this show also Off where the top of my head. Uh, it's actually <laughs> a, a, a friend of ours who was basically the on-set Daniel Stern. So the actor's timing could okay. be... They, yeah, they hired somebody who had kind of the same type of delivery, the same pace, the same timing, so they could make the appropriate pauses. You need to have that so then they could, you know, react. So especially like when you're seeing Kevin all... So that's when I gave a good thought. Should I throw the apple? Should I not? I'm going to throw the apple. And then he throws it. Yeah. So you have to have uh, that pacing. But it was a beautiful use of that. Also, from a creative standpoint and a storytelling standpoint, uh, you're going to have characters that don't have dialogue about what they're doing or what's going on or what it's about. It's all implied. But sometimes the viewer needs to know this Mm -hmm. so the narrator can do that. Daniel Stern also, uh, if you are watching the show and you are Fred Savage's age watching the show, you're going to need a little help with the background. If you were Fred Savage's age at that time period in the late 60s, you might not need as much uh, filling in the blanks, but or you might need a little reminding. Mm-hmm. So it does help that way. Uh, but otherwise, for you know every sentence of narration, that could be five pages of dialogue sure. and explanation that is eliminated. And of course, like when we go back to uh, the procedurals, like Dragnet, the two cops are not going to be talking about departmental procedure. It's basically Jack Webb telling you the viewer this is what they're doing and yeah. why they need to do it, and he could do that in two sentences. Uh, and just get the story moving a little bit faster. Wonder Years, I think, also some of the best use of music. Yes, in yeah. in a television series at the time. Just, it, I, I think we've used the expression here, the soundtrack of our lives. Oh, yeah, very much so. Oh, uh, it is very much the soundtrack of many of our lives. Yeah, and uh, the Time Life DVD collection. They both have a complete series set, and they have the individual seasons available on DVD, and they restored the original soundtrack for every episode, which is no mean feat. Yeah, that's amazing. Many examples of shows that had to swap soundtracks because it's very expensive to do that. But uh, uh, this this ties back to a conversation uh, we recorded recently about what constitutes a classic. Okay, so the, the, the Wonder Years was a look at the 60s from the point of view of a little kid. Jump forward 30 years, you have the Goldbergs now on ABC, and that's basically the Wonder Years, but set in the 80s. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'd say definitely. And other than that, I would not put those two shows in the same sentence because yeah. I think mm-hmm. the Wonder Years is a much better show. Although I did, I have watched the Goldbergs enough times that I mean, I, I would watch it again, but it's mm-hmm. not quite the same as the Wonder Years. Yeah. Enjoyed it, but the Wonder Years again in a class by itself. Yeah. Yeah, you know the Goldbergs. I think is much more of a sitcom. Wonder Years is more classified. You know, I think at that time we were coining the term dramedy. I would say the Wonder Years is sort of an early example of a cable show on television. I, oh, I, I, yes. I, I like that. Yeah, when we were talking about classics and things like that, you know, you you don't obviously have to look at Mash. That's one of the more yeah. obvious ones. But how the use of comedy and drama in the same scenes. And definitely you had uh, a suburban family, which was, you know, very uh, a very good 
backdrop yeah. for television, and uh, television has done very good with showing the typical average American family. But yeah, you're seeing, you know, this is what's going on outside of their their neighborhood. Yeah. I think the one, as I recall, it did not have the what's what's the word I'm looking for? It it the uh, storylines that played out over more than one week. Uh, so yeah. I, I think I think each episode of the Wonder Years was, was self contained. Yeah. Um, but but the would, backdrop of what was happening in the country at the time was kind of the through line. Yeah. You could see a setup for an upcoming episode, yeah. you knowing the history. Yeah, but, but, it, but, it, but unlike the Goldbergs, which was mostly played for last, and as you say, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, is, it is structured very much like a traditional network yeah. sitcom. I mean, if we were watching The Waltons at a certain point, you knew Pearl Harbor was yeah. on the horizon. Yeah. Before the characters yeah. knew. Yeah, obviously. Let's jump to something else, because I think this is kind of one of those shows, you know, if you were there at the time, you enjoyed it, and it went away. But on February 2nd, Groundhog Day, 1973, NBC debuted The Midnight Special, and it was hosted by Helen Reddy. Helen Reddy, and it was produced by Burt Sugarman. Uh-huh. We were talking about this off mic. This was 1973. While it was not the first time that rock and roll was portrayed, it was, yeah. it was not the first time that television gave an outlet to rock and roll groups. Because the Ed Sullivan show had been off the air for two years, they really, and, and because cable television as we know it was at least another 10 years away, there were really only two venues for rock and roll acts on, on television, period. You had the Midnight Special, which is Friday nights, which is basically a 90-minute concert, you know, a 90-minute music show. And uh, you had the syndicated Don Kirshner's rock concert. Yes. That yeah, was which, it. Which yeah. used to follow Saturday Night Live. Yeah. But, yeah, it actually began as a special on August 19th, 1972. So it... Yeah, originally it was a special, then it became a weekly. And it was also it it, it was also uh, significant because now I'm trying to remember, and you might you you probably got the notes in front of you. I th- think it preceded Tomorrow with Tom Snyder. It was uh, yeah, the, it was a 90 minute program followed on the Friday night edition of the Tonight uh, the John- Show, starring Johnny Carson. Now, when did when did Tomorrow premiere? Tomorrow, I'll look with, that up. Yeah, we'll look that. It is described as a late night cousin of Don Kirshner's rock concert. Yeah, uh, I, um, but I, for some reason, I think it preceded Don Kirshner, but I might be wrong. Okay, all right. Now, uh, you say the uh, you say premiered February second, seventy three. Yeah. Okay, so it preceded tomorrow by eight months because uh, or six months because tomorrow premiered October seventy three. And was tomorrow uh, Monday through Thursday? Mo- tomorrow was, was Monday, Monday through, through Thursday. Thursday. But the, and keep in mind, Johnny was 90 minutes also. Right. This is back when Johnny was still 90 minutes. The point of all this mm-hmm. is what, what makes the Midnight Special significant, not just because it provided a venue for popular rock and roll groups and top 40 groups uh, on, on network television. It showed there was an audience that would watch network mm-hmm. television yes. at 1 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it, something else that the Midnight Special had had a theme song. Yeah, that that made will, a Midnight I, 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 I Special. <laughs> yeah, shine and ever every night on me. me. Yeah, oh, Midnight Special. And uh, occasionally they would uh, air vintage footage of older acts like Bill Haley in the comments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
which I think also uh, added to a little bit more of a music appreciation. Yeah, and it was an unth- it was an anthology show like Saturday Night would be in the sense of Saturday Night two years later in that it did not have a regular host. The host was always different every yeah. week. You had some repeat hosts, as I, re- as, as I recall. So in a, if Helen Reddy, who I do not think of her as a rock and roller, who else hosted? Who else would host? Oh, well, you would have Marie Osmond. She hosted a, a, a show. Steve Martin hosted. Steve Martin won, and hosted Larry Hagman at the height of Who Shot huh. JR. Hosted. Okay. So it wasn't necessarily rock, rock musicians that are hosts, but you had host hosting I, the music. I think you. I think in the beginning it was mostly rock or, you know, in the case top 40, of, yeah. of Helen Reddy, Top 40. As the show um, – when I mean Hagman hosted in the fall of 1980, so the show was in its eighth or ninth year, and I think it left NBC about two years later. So they, you know, for whatever reason, they they broadened their criteria of who should be the host. Uh, it would be a topical person who would who would come in and introduce all yeah. the various. Okay. Facts. That makes when sense. You, when you're looking at somebody like Steve Martin, he sold a lot of records. He certainly did. Yes, he did. We're remembering the anniversary of the premiere. Of the Midnight Special as part of this week in TV history. We'll take a quick time out, then we'll continue our conversation with Tony and Donna here on TV Confidential. Are you from California, Illinois, New York, Georgia, or any of the other 39 states that charge state income tax? Does your state claim you owe them any amount of back taxes? Or have you not filed in years? Is your heart pounding because you know they're wrong or you just don't have the money? Don't fight the state income tax board alone. The tax doctor is here to help you. The state is much more aggressive than the IRS in collecting taxes. They have the power to take your home, your car, your driver's and business licenses, even garnish your wages, freeze your bank accounts, and go after your spouse. Solve all your income tax problems permanently and keep more of your hard-earned money. Make this 100% guaranteed risk-free call right now. 800-649-0142. 800-649-0142. That's 800-649-0142. Story Salon is Los Angeles' longest-running storytelling venue. We have live shows every Wednesday in Studio City, as well as solo shows, podcasts, CDs, and several books. Los Angeles Daily News calls Story Salon gemstones of narrative, something new, funny, astonishing. Sunset Magazine says, tales tall, tragic, and tantalizing. All of this makes Story Salon one of the most eclectic entertainment experiences available. You can learn more about us by going to our Facebook page or by visiting our website at www.storysalon.com. Accredited by Guinness World Records, welcome to Archival Television Audio Incorporated. A peerless TV soundtrack archive preserving the audio from television's first three decades, the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. The Golden and Silver Age of Television. For more information, go to atvaudio.com. Ed Robertson, author friend Donna Allen Figueroa, who I understand has a new book out. Yes, it's entitled Fall Again Beginnings. It's the first part of a four-part contemporary romantic series set against the background of working actors. Something that you know 
a, little, a thing or two. Well, about. you write what you know, and I have been working in the business for several years. It is not necessarily autobiographical, but it's based on... Sure, many of the experiences that the actors in my book have. Many have happened to me. Many have happened to friends of mine. It's not, if you're looking for Valley of the Dolls, it's not. It's grounded in reality. It is grounded in reality, and it's the first in a series. Yes. Called the Fall Again series. Fall Again. Which is available as a paperback as well as an ebook and in Kindle at fallagainseries.com. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.